Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everybody, I'm Eric Arno, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Story's five-year anniversary celebration, recorded at the Hideout in Chicago during December. This was such a super great night, and I'm so excited to have the second half of it here for you today. For this show, we picked some of our favorite storytellers from the previous five years of podcasting to come share new pieces, and so this time, you're going to get stuff from Tracy Hall, Mike Gifford, Matt Young, Scott Whitehair, and Nerdalogs founding members Kevin Reeder and Bill Kenkel. Plus, continuing from last week, we've got a full band rocking the house, including myself, Dwight Hassler, Jim Snedeker, and special guest Mike Jando on drums, and Chris Blake on keyboards. Oh man, uh, the nerds are hitting 2017 hard. This Sunday at the Sum Office Theater, 1917 North Elston, it's our first Your Story show of the year, featuring the theme Resolution. I think this year is going to be tough on a lot of people, and we wanted to meet it head on. If that inspires you to tell a story, drop a line to yourstories at nerdalogs.com with the story pitch. We'd love to hear from you. Also very cool about this show, we'll be debuting the new iteration of the Your Stories house band, including myself, Dwight Hassler, Becca Brown, and now Katie Johnston-Smith as well. I cannot wait to take the stage with these guys. It's going to be a blast. Then, we're heading to Los Angeles at the end of the month, so West Coasters, get ready. We're doing a sketch show at UCB Franklin on Thursday, January 26th, and a Your Stories at the Nerd Melt showroom at Meltdown Comics on Friday, January 27th. We'll be announcing the full lineup for that show soon. For more details on the events, hit up our website at www.nerdalogs.com or our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Uh, the year ahead is sure to bring a lot of changes to our shows, so let's get ahead of it, enjoy what we have now, and show it who's boss. So come out, say hello, share a story. And right now, enjoy this sweet-ass recording. So when everyone picked their songs, we kind of ended up with a theme of like British classic rock. So we're gonna keep rolling with that. This is uh, this is Jando's pick. Jando's pick. Jando featuring Jando on the drums. We're gonna Jando. call him Mike Jamando tonight. Jamdo. Oh. 
And this one features Chris Blake on vocals, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, good, good. It's very good. Let's do this. We've done four already, but now we're steady, and then they went.
Yeah. Man, if Robert Plant sang in a hardcore band for like eight years and then sang this song, that's what it would sound like. <laughs> Just blew his shit out and then was like, all right, let's sing that again. No, I love it. <laughs> What's the name of the hardcore band you're in, Chris? Uh, uh, hardcore band? No, man. Listen, guys, I gave up hardcore a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Church oh, Basement, man. check out Church Basement, we're fun. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna, this next song was Jim pick, Jim's pick. I do want to say that yeah. I feel like every band I've been a part of, Tenacious D has been an important part in like its, its creation. I have to take my glasses off. Yeah. Because Satan doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're playing characters in this song. Definitely Jim is. Or maybe he's being inhabited by a spirit. I don't know. I'm just playing myself. <laughs> hey, man, you should. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> I am complete Fuck Yes you are fucked Shit out of luck Now I'm complete in my cock You will suck The world will be mine And you're first in line You brought me the pick And now you shall both die Wait, wait, wait You motherfucker We challenge you to a rock Give us one chance to rock your socks off. Fuck! 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 The demon code prevents me from declining a rock off challenge. What are your terms? What's the catch? If we win, you must take your sorry ass back to hell. I'm going there anyway. And also you will have to pay our rent. And what if I win? Then you can take Eric back to hell. What? Trust me, Rock, it's the only way <laughs> to be your little bitch. Fine, let the rock off begin. I'm the devil, I love metal. Check this lick, it's fucking tasty. I'm the devil, I can do what I want Whatever I've got, I'm gonna flaunt There's never been a rock off that I've ever lost I can't wait to take Eric back to hell I'm gonna fill him with a hot demon gel I'll make him squeal like a scarlet pimpernel No! No! Oh, fuck! No! Come on, Rock, let's bring the thunder. There's just no way that we can win. That was a masterpiece. Listen to me. He rocks too hard because he's not a mortal man. God damn it, Eric! 
You're gonna make a sex slave. You're gonna grrr me in knees. No. Unless we bust a massive monster mamma jam. Dude, we've been through so much shit. Been doing your stories five years with my dick. Now it's time to blow this fucker down. Now it's time to blow doors down. I hear your jables. Now it's time to blow doors down. Light up the stage, cause it's time for a showdown. We'll bend you over, then we'll take it a pound That's down. Right. Now we've got to blow this fucking down. He's gonna rape me if we do not blow doors down. Come on, Kane, now it's time to blow doors down. Blow pile, drive you, and tap all the smack. Hey, down. Andy Kleiser, be out the boss. We know your weakness. We are the D, 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 we are the D. Tenacious D. Uh, I don't know who won the rock off, but uh, guys, we have more storytellers coming up first to the stage in this second half. This woman told an amazing story about uh, discovering the real meaning of, of Kwanzaa when she went on the trip to Africa. Uh, last year she told that story, so maybe she can help Bill out. I don't know, Bill seemed pretty confused about what that was all about. Please, well, I'm so happy to have her back. Please welcome to the stage, Ms. Tracy Hall! Tracy Hall! I um, just had like some whiskey concoction, so um, just work with me. But I just love, I come here for the music. I told Eric that. Because <laughs> I love, and the stories too, because I grew up with stories. And um, speaking of um, Kwanzaa, I came in just when the first um, story was being told because I had, I had to make a pit stop at Crate and Barrel because tomorrow I'm having some people over and I looked at my table and I said, you know what I need? I need that candelabra that I saw in Crate and Barrel. And, and I, I had this tight window, so I told the Uber driver, just stop, just wait for me. Just wait, just wait, because I have to get this candelabra. And so I just want to say before I tell you about this candelabra, I remember celebrating Kwanzaa and I had this really, I thought this was the best. Because, you know, Kwanzaa, you have these candles. You have to arrange them a certain way. And you light one, you know, day. Doesn't it sound familiar? And I, I was like, you know, oh, yeah, look at my candelabra. I love it. I love it. And um, back then, my ex-boyfriend was like, um, you know that's a menorah, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so tonight... So tonight, I'm like, I have to have this candelabra, you know, because people are going to be over here, and it's the holidays, I don't have a tree, I have to have this candelabra, you know. So I, I called even, I said, hey, I saw this candelabra, it's on page like 33, um, where is it when I go into uh, the store, because I was going to Michigan, it was, you know, a big store, and I was like, I just need this candelabra, you know. So I, I go in, and it's right where the woman says, and I take the candelabra, and the man says, oh, there's no price on this. Price on the menorah, price on the menorah, and I'm like, you know what, That's 
that's why we should just get over being different, because I think we are all the same. I think there's like an impulse that makes me... <laughs> That makes us all want the same thing. So, um, but I'm going to tell my story. Uh, and I was trying to think about five years. And congratulations um, again to Nerd Laws for anything. Five years, marriage, relationships, same job, your dog. You know, five years is a lot, right? Even the dog is like, look. <laughs> um, but something happened for me for about five years, and it was, it was sustained. And don't judge this skirt, by the way, because I'm doing that thing where you have to, um, you know, wear your clothes at the end of the year. You throw away the stuff you didn't wear. So this was the one thing, and I'm not giving this skirt away. So do not work with it. Work, work with pleather. Pleather is our friend. But in any case, I remember, I think about what, what happened for me for five years. And I remember I nursed a crush on Kiki for five years. And I'm not gonna say his real name. Um, but for five years, you know, in school, you go from middle school to high school and you have the same crush. And I had like, you know, I, my mother um, had made me think like the 50s were really cool and happy days was there. So by the time I showed up in um, like the 11th grade, I was like in the hood um, and I was like uh, doors a day or something like that because I was wearing like poodle skirts, my version of them, and these tight sweaters. And my mother, you know, um, I was trying to wear the same bra she had, you know, those ones your breasts like are right up here. And, you know, and so, um, in any case, I am wearing these tight sweaters and these A-line skirts and I'm in 11th grade and I'm full of hormones and um, I am too afraid to dissect um, rats. Now, pigs, I, I don't have any mercy around pigs, but I remember we had to um, dissect rats in physiology class, and I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I had to move out of that physiology class and rearrange my whole schedule, and so I needed to do Spanish one of my last periods of the day. And and I took a Spanish class where it was nothing but jocks. And I went to school, I'm from LA, I went to school, we had, um, you know, we were jock central. Our high school was like celebrated for everything except academics. It was like, I mean, I'm telling you, I think people went from high school to the pros. Because um, people, you, you know, um, and so we, it was all the jocks. And the jocks had this, um, their sixth period was always sports. So I was in there with all the basketball players and all the football players, and there's this one football player, and oh my goodness, he is, Fine. I'm talking about fine. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, man, man. I would look at him. Mm. And um, our teacher had arranged our desk so that, because they were always keeping up a lot of stuff, she had arranged our desk um, so we were divided. It was like she would like part the Nile each time she would walk down. And so it happened that Kiki and I were on the same row. Now, he was uh, in front of him and back of him. We were in threes. In front of him and back of him were his um, teammates. In front of me was like this star basketball player. And behind me was like the neighborhood drug dealer who was also fine. <laughs> he was. Even my mom saw him and she was like, yup, he's fine. <laughs> he was fine. And I, it, oh my God. And he, you know, he sold drugs. So he was always like everything dressed and everything. And he had that like drug dealer pimp voice. And he like, um, you know what? One time I was selling candy, you know, all that candy dollar, you know, 36 candies, it was like $36. I was selling it for some club I was in. And he said, baby, I'm about a whole thing from you, okay? That's how smooth he was in 11th grade. I was like, okay. 
So anyway, but I look at Kiki longingly, and one of the things I noted about Kiki is that in addition to him being really fast and um, being celebrated for that all over, not just our city, but all over Southern California, um, he actually studied. And that was something that I did because I love school. I've always, you know, I'm apologizing for everything. I'm apologizing. I walked in a minute late. I'm always wanting to please people. That's part of my personality even to this day. But I love school, and I never wanted to disappoint our teachers. And I noticed that Kiki would study, too. Everybody else in class, you know, maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't. They certainly weren't going to, like, try to learn it. But he certainly would. And I remember thinking, oh, I, I don't have to just study for myself or to keep in good graces with my mom. I got to study to keep up with Kiki, and that was really good. That really pushed him over the edge. Now, I had a nerdy boyfriend, too. His name was Anthony. And he turned out to be pretty great, too. So, um, but, you know, he, I was a nerd. He was a nerd. And Kiki was untouchable. You know, he lived on Mount Olympus with, like, all the other, like, major people who you just never see walking in real life unless they're in your class in the fifth period. So I would just look at him, and then he'd look up, and I'd look down. And we would just do that all the time. I'd be looking at him, and then when he'd look look down. And um, I just remember thinking, gosh, you know, somebody like him, man. So fast forward, I go away to college, and a terrible thing happens. Um, my god sister dies, and she has had sickle cell pretty much her whole childhood, and she lived a lot longer than people thought she would, and she dies my freshman year of college. And so I come home, and she's like a ball of energy she was. Her name was Jamitha Pugh. And I came home, and um, everybody seemed like from high school or junior high was there. And I was talking to her parents. I said a few words at her grave site. And, um, and then I was talking to her parents, and I could feel somebody standing behind me. And I turn around, and it's Kiki. And he said, uh, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, yeah, and I had noticed that he didn't come to the funeral, but he came to the graveside. And he had he had a, a little sports car that he had come with, you know, come in. And I remember thinking, you know, look at him. He's gone off to one of the great schools in Southern California for football. Hint, hint. Not going to say what it is, but uh, the colors are burgundy and gold. And I'm not going to say his real name, but he was tearing up the field there, too. And uh, he stands there, and um, he says, I want to tell you something. And I'm thinking, he's going to tell me that he probably liked Jamitha. And I said, yeah. And he said, I want to tell you, you know, when we were in 11th grade, you used to wear like these sweaters. And you would stand up and uh, you would give the announcements for the class, which was true. Don't even ask me why we had announcements. But I would, I would give them. I, I was the only one who would volunteer. And he said, um, I said to myself that if I ever saw you again, I would tell you that I had a crush on you in 11th grade. And I'm like, now mind you, this is pre, because I'm old, this is pre-Facebook and Instagram and any of this stuff. And I just can't say a word. I'm looking and I'm thinking of how I looked at him so longingly for five years or more. And he said, well, I said to myself, if I ever saw you again, I was going to tell you. And he turned and he walked around uh, to his car. He got in his car and he drove off the hill. And I couldn't say anything. 
And one thing I can think about at the end of the year, I hope Oprah does not die because you are in trouble if she does. Right? Because there's God, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Spirit, and then there's Oprah. So, but one thing I can say from this stage that I hope we all take seriously, and which would be really sad, probably even sadder than that, is if we don't go for that thing that's calling us. Because just like I was longing for Kiki in the 11th grade, how was I to know that maybe just for that moment, maybe just for a couple of months in that year, he was doing the same for me. Thank you so much, Tracy. Welcome back. That was an amazing story. Holy crap. Give it up for Tracy Hall, everybody. So uh, I really like, I feel like, I don't know if anyone went to last month's show, but that show was, a, it was, it was real sad, man. We said goodbye to Claire. She went to New York. She was like, um, she's been here since the beginning and she gone. So I, I made a vow, like this show is not going to be introspective because that show was, uh, but if you allow me this one bit of introspection, my, my very best friend in the world sent me uh, a short paragraph he'd like me to read about this show because he couldn't be here because he's too busy being a, a family man in Southern Illinois, but I would like to read this. This is from... Uh, Mr. Benjamin Rathert. So he says, For many people, listening to podcasts is a personal experience, whether that's on purpose or simply due to being alone on the drive to work or while working around the house. For me, podcast listening has become something a little more special. It's the time I put my daughter Evie to sleep. About nine months ago, Nikki and I finally realized that Evie wasn't going to be like other babies, placidly sleeping in their crib while, do while their doting parents look on. No, she can sleep as long as she is in contact with another person, but no matter how tired, the moment you try to disconnect, her sleepy eyes will pop open like some too drunk college roommate asking, hey, what do you guys want to do now? <laughs> ben probably would have read that better than me. Uh, we found, though, that when we wrap her up or wear her in a carrier, she falls asleep without protest. Basically, she's a goner if she's attached to you, falling asleep in 90 seconds or less. Every night about 7 p.m., I put her on, and then we're outside, walking the twilight streets of my sleepy little town of Ducoin, Illinois, and my headphones are on. I listen to varied selections of shows, including Stuff You Should Know, Comedy Bang Bang, that was because of me, thanks, Ben, uh, <laughs> M Mission Log, and Code Switch, but my favorite podcast, the top of my list, is a little Chicago-based production by the Nerdalogs called Your Stories. There's something about how listening to the music, the audience, and the live storytelling blending together with my evening walks that make it almost seem surreal. I feel like I'm there in the audience, enjoying the jokes, tearing up from the great stories, and listening to the music. It's almost as if I just turned my head around, I'd be right there in the theater. So what I want to say to you all tonight is thank you. Thank you to all the wonderful storytellers who have been reaching me over the past few years. Thank you for sharing a part of yourselves with me. Uh, and uh, thank you, random audience member hundreds of miles of, uh, oh, a random audience member hundreds of miles, uh, miles away. It means the world to me. And of course, thank you to Eric, Cover stories and the nerd logs in general. I love your work and I'm always looking forward to more. I will be listening. Your story superfan and Patreon supporter, Ben Rathert. So that's for Ben. I love you, Ben. You're my favorite person. Uh, cool. So coming up next to the stage, this gentleman has been doing our show for a couple of years. He is an incredible essayist in Chicago. Uh, love this man to death. Also one of the kindest people I've met. Uh, please welcome Mike Gifford to the stage. Hi, everyone. So, uh, Alan Thicke is dead. So, uh, so for your amusement tonight, I'm going to do a 30-minute interpretive dance of growing pains, right? 
No, I'm not doing that. But recently, I was called a poet. You be the judge. It's the five-year anniversary show of the Nerdlogs podcast, Your Stories. These folks are amazing, and I've loved working with them, and after all this time, I'm okay with Eric and Kevin's hair. I'm not thrilled with it. But I'm okay. You see, this is coming from a guy who is dressed like a gay Oompa Loompa. So we can all agree that podcasting is the format for us. But truly, from my heart, this anniversary reminds me that We're getting old. It's clear to you all that in dog years, I'm 221 years old. And in gay dog years, I'm dead. You see, I'm so poorly dressed, AIDS won't have me. And if you recall my recent trip to the gay sex club, you'd know I'm leaving to accept failure, and my age. I moved to Andersonville, where old gays go to die. And I struck up a conversation at my neighborhood bear bar with a surgical nurse. Bear bar, where large gay men go to drink and fuck. He told me I'd be shocked by how many guys lose marble egg-shaped paperweights up their assholes. One doesn't have to be a Rubik's Cube champion to see how sticking office accessories up your own anus perhaps is an error in judgment. But different strokes for different folks. But it got me to thinking about the future. My future. And who are my heroes? And what do I wish to be and do with the rest of my life? Sidebar. I once saw a man deep throat a red dog beer bottle from the bottom way down. You see, that was the queen of the cocksuckers, the king of the homosexuals, my hero, Daryl. Daryl was my neighbor in Columbus, Ohio. You see, Daryl lived in a glorious mess of a shack surrounded by Winston Red cigarette butts, empty beer bottles, and three cats named Hime, Chuck, and Mr. Lincoln, who tried to bite off his thumb. So, but Daryl, most importantly, was good at sucking cock. One day, when walking home from the Giant Eagle, You guys know the one. Two people from my brother's church are here. You see, I was walking home from the giant eagle with some cereal and milk and other odds and ends, and I saw Daryl standing at a window of a house, and I yelled to Daryl, 
Hi, Daryl. And as he turned around, I realized that he was sucking the guy's cock in broad daylight through his window. And with a cummy smile, he said hello, turned back around, and finished the job. Now that's a pro. Another afternoon, I went out for coffee, which is my want. And walking back to my house, I could see that there was a gentleman standing in Daryl's porch that I did not recognize. And I yelled to the gentleman, where's Daryl? And like a pro, He waved hello. Daryl was a great cocksucker. See, there were these hustlers that Daryl took back to the shed behind the shack that was his house. And in the course of coitus and fellatio, they decided to jump him, at which knocked out all of his teeth. But when he proudly showed me his dentures and how he could remove them, he goes, I'm going to be the best ever. So I was a young little fagula, and I asked Daryl, I said, Daryl, I need some help getting laid because if you're dressed like this, ugh. So, so Daryl said, okay, Mike, just sit on my porch with me and wait. What? What? Wait? So we sat and waited, and lo and behold, at about 2 in the morning, from this kind of sports bar around the corner, come two young men who yell up to us, Hey, are you guys ready to party? What? It's that easy. <laughs> Daryl's like, Yeah, come on up. We have lots of Red Dog beer and Winston cigarettes. So they come on up. Daryl took his guy to the back in the kitchen and got busy. But I was sitting next to this other gentleman talking about how I was very aware of the Watergate scandal <laughs> and was drinking buddies with Watergate conspirator Jeb Magruder before that untimely motorcycle accident. God rest his soul. I failed Daryl, my hero. End of sidebar. I'm unemployed. But, you know, I'll never die alone. You see, I have the nerd logs who will always be there with a hand. A hand to pull a sad Dwight David Eisenhower paperweight out of my dried up thorny anus. I love you all. Happy five-year anniversary, Nerdalogs. Thank you, Mike. I will, I will give you the hand you need, even though I'm just learning you don't like my hair. Oh, <laughs> heartbreaking. Kevin, I love your hair. I hope you love my hair. We have to stand strong in this room of fucking haters. You and me, baby. So coming up next to the stage, until last month, which, as I mentioned was a very sad show, and it made me a sack of a man. Until last month, only one person has ever made me cry to your stories, and that person is coming to the stage right now. 
He is uh, the Captain Baxter on Improvised Star Trek. He he just produced a wonderful podcast called The Probe, which is like a serial type drama about a high school election. And uh, I don't know, you guys heard of like Hello from the Magic Tavern, whatever. Um, they were fucking on Comedy Bang Bang, dude. That's incredible. It's my favorite fucking podcast. Anyway, please welcome to the stage Matt Young. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to Eric specifically. Let's give him a big round of applause. And for uh, giving me a place to come and do stuff, you know, uh, for all of this time. Uh, I think I've known you guys all this time that you've been doing it, and uh, you should be very proud of these five years. Uh, it's a milestone, and I am about to hit a milestone next year, uh, very early, just a couple months away. I moved to Chicago after I graduated college in February of 1997. 20 years. So this is five years at a time, those 20 years, in a series of moments. 1997 to 2001. The thing I remember most clearly from this time is the first time I ever rode an L train. If uh, some of you mentioned being from central Illinois and growing up outside of the city, and if you had that experience, you may have had a similar experience to me where the first time you got on an L train, you thought to yourself, I'm on the train. <laughs> I'm a big city person now, taking, <laughs> taking the train downtown to work. How fancy of me. I will stand here and I will hold the pole. <laughs> the inordinate amount of pride I took in that cannot be overstated. But it was also a tough time. I remember uh, not having any money, uh, having trouble even paying rent, selling CDs, when there were still CDs and people would buy them back from you and then resell them? That was part of the economy? It was odd. It was an odd time. I dipped my toe into theater and I did a few things here and there, but for that period, I was really just trying to figure out how to get anywhere south of Belmont, north of Irving Park, east of Broadway, or west of Racine. Because that was my entire world. Now, from 2002 to 2006, things loosened up a bit. I found my footing. You know, I'd had five years. I started doing comedy, seriously. I got serious about it. Ugh. <laughs> What a stupid fucking thing to do. <laughs> but I'm kidding. It was great. You know, I found myself, I found real friends finally. I was like getting in the groove of things instead of just going from show to show and having friends for eight weeks the way you do in the theater world. Uh, it's much harder to form lasting long-term relationships. Whereas if you're in an improv team that's desperate to not get cut, <laughs> then you form this family because you're each other's life raft. You're all you've got. Uh, 
And I started to find my voice. I started to figure out who I was as a person and what I had to say and what sort of my brand was. And it was being a uh, shitty, angry white dude who talked shit about people. Um, And it was funny. People laughed at it. It was great, and I felt great. 2007 to 2011, however... That got old real fucking fast. Uh, I stalled out. I had friends. I went to see movies. I did shows. I was doing things, but I wasn't doing anything. I was just spinning my wheels. And I'm sure some of you have felt this too. This sense of like, I did it and we made it. Someone mentioned earlier uh, the idea of like success. I, I think it was Larissa who said... Uh, you know, the, becoming the thing that you're supposed to be and having that ultimate moment. There is no ultimate moment, you know? Um, I, it was an odd time because nothing happened and yet I was doing things all the time. I filled all that time. But I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't forcing myself to learn and to be open and to think. I got engaged to be married I got disengaged to be married pretty quickly after that. And nothing was driving me forward anymore. I was still shitty and angry, and it wasn't funny if it ever really had been to begin with. It was probably just shocking and off-putting. So how do you remake yourself, 2012 to 2016 to now? You don't really. You don't. Maybe I'm more this or more that, but what you do is you learn to turn the volume up on certain things and down on other things. You learn that, like, yeah, that's part of me. I'm mad. I I grew up in the Midwest, too, in central Illinois, and it's shitty, and people are shitty outside of the city because they're afraid of everything. And that is what we are facing right now, that people are afraid of everything, and they're mad, and they're fighting back. So what do I do? I I turn that part of me down. I try to listen more. I try to be better about helping people and lifting people up and remembering that I have things that other people don't have. All of us here, no matter how shitty you feel, how poor you are, you have things that nobody else has. And I, through that process, (laughs) learned to be a better person. And when I see old friends now, they're like, eh, hey, what you all pissed off about? Something? Tell me something you're pissed off about. And I'm like, that's not really me anymore. I mean, I can do it. Every once in a while I get pissed off about something. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty funny still. But <laughs> but it's not my default. It's not my go-to. And I have all these new friends. These new friends that are in this room right now and others who don't think about me that way, who don't think of me as shitty and angry. They think of me as positive and helpful and someone who like cares for people and is nurturing. So we've all got all of these aspects in us. So you have to just focus on what you want to be, what you want to be in this moment, and let yourself not be saddled by the things you have been up until this moment. And I'm very fortunate. Like Eric said, I have been part of these projects that have had a 
certain amount of success lately and I am having a moment. It might take me away from this city that I love. Probably not. Probably everybody's going to quit giving a shit and like, by this time next year. <laughs> but it has allowed me to do things that I've never done before. And sometimes people respond to that by thinking, oh, that's so great, that's so awesome, that's so cool that you got to do that thing. And it is. It absolutely is. And I'm always so excited to like share that with people. But the other side of that coin is that... All of you have those things. We all have those things already. It's just a certain set of circumstances. There's nothing to be jealous or angry about. I've had certain people come up to me and be like, oh, you're rolling in all this earwolf money now. I go to a fucking job every day. I'm not rolling in anything. And you see, like, as you... I've had this opportunity to see into a world that I couldn't see into before. And I see that they are exactly like us. That they are hustling to get by. They are trying to do things. And yes, they may be on TV. Yes, they may have a series. Yes, they've got their thing on Netflix. And then some of them are going to jobs. So these are all just moments and your sense of success isn't as important as making the most of each of these moments. I'm not having a moment as a performer where I'm being noticed and things are happening for me. I was always having those moments. But now I'm gonna learn to appreciate them and I hope you all appreciate them too. Because each and every one of you here tonight who shared a story and who didn't have something unique and special about you and I want to hear that from you. Thank you so much. Have your moment. 2017 is going to be hard. <laughs> but we're going to do it. Because things are just going to keep getting better and better no matter what comes our way. Thank you. Matt Young, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. I love you, Matt. You are always, always welcome on this stage. Always. Thank you so much. Goddamn. All right, guys. We have two more storytellers this evening. Coming next to the stage, this gentleman does amazing positive work for the storytelling community in Chicago. Uh, he, he, you know, he works really hard to bring up storytellers who are new and fresh to the scene and hear from diverse voices and people who really have something to say and maybe need a little help expressing that, and that's wonderful. And he himself, obviously, amazingly talented at telling stories I'm sure you're about to see. Please welcome to the stage Mr. Scott Whitehair. Yeah! Can we hear it one more time for five years of Nerdalogs? I'm really excited to see what you guys do in the next five years, and I'm really honored to be here with you guys tonight. <clears throat> I learned the hard way uh, that if you're a pessimist or a cynic, these qualities will only be highlighted and amplified by a trip to the Magic Kingdom. To be fair about it, when my wife and I were there in 2003, we were having a really good time. And that's not an accident. 
Because everything in Orlando, Florida is set up to make sure you have a good time. There are squadrons of Imagineers whose sole job it is to find out what shade of paint in the bathroom will make you smile and buy candy. Your partner's intolerable, your kids are on your last fucking nerve. We've got pirates. And I didn't have a problem at first, initially, with this uh, you know, manipulation of architecture and environment to make you have a good time. I mean, why not? You're paying all this money to go to Disney World. I mean, who, who doesn't want to buy a churro in Mexico but eat it in an icy, air-conditioned Norwegian cave? <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. More of that in my life. Please. But when it comes to people, that's not how it works. Because people have bad days and they're tired and they're angry and they're sick and they don't like their coworker. They don't want to be there that day, but not at Disney World. Everybody at all times is 100% cheerful. And this bothered me because I knew it was fake. I, I, I couldn't, I was, I'm like, that guy, does he really want to smile like that? Like, it was like, you know, being, people aren't animatronics. I want to see somebody who's just slightly unhappy to be here that make me feel better that, that, that you know, that, that not everybody's faking this. It really came to a head for me when I went to throw away the remains of a root beer float uh, near the Peter Pan ride. It bounced on the candlelit and sprayed root beer on this guy's shirt. And he goes, hey, all right. <laughs> what the fuck? you son of a bitch. And my wife, you know, I was talking about, like, oh, this bothers me. And she's like, just have a good time. I'm like, but I can't, look, these people are, there's no way everybody feels this good. Nothing would have made me feel better than to see a fat guy or somebody go off on a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. And I was convinced that inside every Goofy and Donald was just a raging ball of hate and fury. It bothered me. It was fake. It wasn't real. It was, they were being forced to do this. It was fake. This all came to a head for me uh, when we went to the Blizzard Beach water park. We were standing there, trying not to burn our feet on the hot sidewalk, surrounded by fiberglass icicles. We were waiting to go up the steps to a tube ride. And as we're waiting, I hear from up around the bend, up where the, the, the slide comes down from, the voice of an angel. And it goes... Turn around, sit down, yay, <laughs> goodbye. And I thought, what's that? That sounds delightful. But I couldn't even think about it because it repeats again. Turn around, sit down, yay, goodbye. And it kept repeating, and it kept repeating, and it was joyful, and it sounded real, and every time was like the first time. It wasn't just repetition. It was, it was and I go, what is this? I can't see yet, and I just hear it over and over again. And finally, I can look over the railing, and there in a little pool at the top of the slide is the happiest woman in the world. She's waist deep in the pool. She's got a red one-piece swimsuit, a visor, pigtails, a little swash of white on her nose. Her cheeks were so... And next to her, Santa Claus is a sarcastic prick. <laughs> and as people came up, she'd say, she'd grab a tube and she'd say, turn around. And then they did, and she'd say, sit down. And when they sat, she'd say, yay, cheering for them. And then she'd gently waft them towards the slide and say, goodbye. 
I was so excited because I'm like, this is real. This woman, it's clear, she's really happy to be here and she loves her job. They're spending all of this money to make all of these things and they don't even know probably that she's here and she's that happy. And I'm gonna have a genuine, sincere, happy thing with somebody at Disney World and then I'll be over that and it will make such a big difference. And we get closer and it's turn around, sit down, yay, goodbye. And then my wife goes, turn around, sit down, yay, goodbye, and then it's my turn, and I get greedy before she can go into her spiel. I'm like, how are you today? And she's like, I'm great, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, this is great weather. She's like, oh, it's so good. We're like having a little smile orgy in the pool. <laughs> and then it's time, and she says, turn around, and I do. <laughs> and she says, sit down, and I leap into the air. My eyes closed, the sun shining on my face, ready for my moment to be cheered like a hero, and I crash back down into my tube. But when I hit the tube, instead I hear, ow! And as I spin around slowly in my tube to face her, the first thing I can see is that her thumb is clearly dislocated. The nail is hanging off. There's a trickle of blood. Tears are welling up and starting to spill down her jolly cheeks. And I just stare in horror. I, I don't know what's, I'm sitting in the tube. She's looking at her thumb. Finally, a guy comes, another guy from the park with like a big metal pole and starts like pushing me towards the mouth of the slide. I'm just like, uh, and right when I get to the top of the slide, right to be pulled down into the, 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 the slide, she looks up at me and she goes, you hurt me. <laughs> so there I am, a fat, bitter asshole floating in the darkness on a tube. And I had a lot of time to think. It was a really long, it was the least joyous water slide ride ever. It was like. <laughs> but I had time to think, and I, I thought, how could this happen? This one chance, this one genuine interaction I was going to have at Disney World, and I ruined it with my ass. I had come down right on top of her thumb. What are the odds of that? Does it, that could happen a million times. It should never happen. I thought, well, that's it. But as I cruised down into the splash pool, I decided to be optimistic. And as I watched someone run with, you know, the case with the red cross on it, taking two steps at a time up the thing, I found a small, thin silver lining. Because I thought to myself, well, at least... She clearly wasn't faking that. <laughs> Thank you. Scott Whitehair, everybody. Oh, oh no. Oh, that was a real emotional roller coaster. 
We have one more storyteller tonight. Uh, we are bookending the show with founding members of the Nerdalogs. It is because of this gentleman that we are all here tonight, truly. He is a great dude, one of my best friends, the man who brought me into this. Because, like, five years ago, he was like, hey, you're in a band, right? Why don't you and uh, why don't you guys come play at our show? And the band was kind of lazy, and they're like, oh, we don't want to play if we're not getting paid. But Dwight said, I'll do it. So me and Dwight started doing it. And here we are. P.S. I had my last show with that band five years ago tonight, weirdly. I don't really miss it. Sorry, Danny and Mike. Uh, anyway, coming to the stage, Mr. Kevin Reeder. Thanks for saying I'll do it, Dwight. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, wow. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. A big round of applause to everybody that's been here tonight. Um, it, it's it's incredible that so many people um, have such beautiful stories to share, and, and then we get to be a part of their journey with them uh, for everything. It's it's really fucking cool. Um, so thank you for that. That's uh, it's overwhelming in a lot of ways. So it's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Uh. Um, so there we go. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about um, what I wanted to share tonight, and. I was thinking about when I was five years old, and when I was five, I would spend my time with my grandmother, and we played Kevin! a game. Uh, Kevin! Uh, Kevin! Uh, uh, oh, Kevin! What, what is happening right Kevin! now? Oh, oh my God, oh, what a leap. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill Kenkel, uh, Nerdalogs Emeritus, founding member, all the way from Bloomington, Indiana, Dr. William Kenkel. Yeah. Let's give him a round yeah. of applause. I am me. <laughs> uh, Bill, I'm kind of in the middle of telling yeah. this story. Oh, uh, it's a great story. It's a great story. It's 100% legit. Uh, I love the thing about your grandma. And uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh, mwah. Love it. Yeah. Wouldn't change a thing. Sure. Totally fantastic. Okay, well, <laughs> cool. What is this? Do you know what today is? It's the five-year anniversary, anniversary of, of when your... we buried the time capsule. The time capsule! The mother-flippin' burger time capsule! Yes, I totally forgot about the time capsule! Yes! Nice, Five dude. years ago yes. to the day. Nice! Do you guys want to see what's in the time capsule? <laughs> all right. Well, that's all. First of all, the fact that we buried a box and it looks this immaculate <laughs> is wonderful. We are expert buriers. <laughs> yes. Well, let's open it up. Let's see what's inside, huh? Yes. All right, here we go. Okay. Oh my God! Yes! Bill! It's a present! It's a present! Bill, it's a present. It has your name on it. Present for me! Yeah! It says to Bill from Chris Geiger. Chris, you shouldn't have five years ago. (laughs) Open it up, Bill. See what's inside. Yeah, get it. Get it in there. Get it, get it, get it. Chris, really? You are a garbage human. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Oh, look, Bill, something shiny. (laughs) Bill loves shiny things. Oh, my God. Do you know what this is? No, Bill, what is that? This is an invitation uh, to to my first visit to the Kinsey Institute. Around five years ago, I, I was leaving Chicago, and, and through a weird series of uh, misadventures, I, 
I wound up at the Kinsey Institute in, in Bloomington, Indiana, the state which gave you all Mike Pence, <laughs> like we got rid of a curse. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> and, and this is it. This is the, this is the letter uh, from, the, from the premier sex research institute of America. And I didn't belong there, but, but I found my way there. And, and when you're conceiving of where you'll end up in, in five years, you, you, you can't. You can't even begin to imagine all the amazing places that you'll go. Excuse it. <laughs> but the thing is, ever since I, I left Chicago, I have craved this bizarre uh, Venn diagram intersection of art and science, which I think we managed to capture in the Nerdalogs. Totally. And I've always wanted to go back to that space. Okay. And so when I got this... this email one day uh, through the Kinsey Listserv. I jumped on it because, because our local NPR affiliate wanted, uh, wanted speakers. Um, WFIU. WFIU represent. Hey. <laughs> and they said, you know, will any, is anyone willing to uh, come on this podcast uh, where we're doing? It's a Kinsey uh, uh, WFIU podcast. Pa- podcast. We definitely need more of those. Yeah. 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 And, and be a voice actor. And I thought, finally, this is Man, it. This yes. is, what, what, what was it? Uh, becoming who you were meant to be, I think was the phrase. Mm-hmm. I finally am taking that first step towards like being Bill Nye, towards like, towards like being like Dr. Ruth, right? Because that's what every like young boy wants to be, is that like yes. aged Israeli woman on late night television talking about vaginal secretions, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, this is fucking it, man. I am living it. Yeah, Bill. So I show up. I show up to this, this podcast recently. I go to the local the, the recording studio, and it's like, it's legit. There's a sound engineer with headphones. There's spiky foam dampening on the wall. And they sit me down, and, and, and the way I knew this was about to go bad is the first thing they say is, have you read the script? <laughs> Bill, you never read the script, man. I read the script. I didn't read the script for tonight. <laughs> I say, no, I'm cool, I'll wing it, whatever. Because <laughs> like, I'm the sexpert in my mind. Like, this is the first step on becoming a sexpert. Dr. William Kenkel. Yeah, they're, oh, God, it's so good. And I'm just going to play the clip now, which says exactly where things ended up. Welcome to Kinsey Confidential. This is yeah, your opportunity yeah. to ask questions my opportunity. and have them answered. By I'm me. Debbie Herbenich, a sexual health educator at the Kinsey Wait, Institute you're answering the questions? No. Here is today's question. I'm 20, but my dick is like five inches when erect. It's thick enough, but it looks small to me. Is my penis size okay? Can you give me tips for increasing my size? Yeah, so... there to read the questions that other people had written in. They had, they had asked the entire theater department and no one had said yes to this. So you're the little dick guy of southeastern Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought I was going to be Dr. Ruth. And, and now I'm like in this sound booth trying to explore the character space between guy with dick problems number one and guy with dick problems number two. And that's not to make fun of these guys. Like, for, for, for one second, five inches is nothing to worry about. 
And it's like within a standard deviation of the mean. Like, you're okay, buddy. You are okay. <laughs> I'm not making fun of those guys. Those guys are like heartfelt dudes. I'm making fun of me thinking I was Mr. Cool. And then coming on there to just be like, a, like you could have asked Siri to read those questions. <laughs> They went on. Uh, that was that was just the first one. It just aired yesterday, and I guess they're gonna roll out the rest for the next like whatever foreseeable future of my miserable existence. Chris, you're gonna love it. <laughs> I'm really glad we put that in the time capsule, babe. I remember uttering the phrase, and this is this is tragic because somebody said this, but have you ever heard the phrase "You need tweezers to find your penis"? Well, that's me. And I wasn't, I, I went in there like wanting to ham it up. Like I was going to act. I was going to like chew the scenery. And the sound engineer just like, oh, stick to the script, please. <laughs> we're, on a, we're on a time budget. And in the middle of this, I'm, I'm just sweating and trying to get through these questions. And someone swings open the door in the sound booth and says, oh, what are you guys up to? And I recognize her voice instantly because she's the local NPR affiliate, right? Yeah, yeah. She has that instantly recognizable celebrity voice. And she was lured into the recording studio <laughs> by me talking about dick problems. <laughs> And that's what I knew. I was like, okay, this is the first step on my celebrity something or other being the voice of South Indiana dick issues. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. So wherever you think you are going to be in five years, just manage your expectations. <laughs> I think we've got something else in the uh, the time capsule. What oh is my that? god! Oh my god! We do! Oh my god! It is! Oh my god! From five years ago. Yes, our favorite film from 2011. Eat, Eat pray, pray, love. love. Obviously. Of course. Oh. oh my god, Bill. We printed off so many copies because that's when back when you would burn DVDs yeah. for all of your friends and loved ones. We burned you all a copy of Eat Pray Love. So we're gonna give you guys a copy of Free Love, um, and uh, I think I think we need to definitely hit our favorite line oh, from the movie. How could we not? Yeah. Hey, hey groceries, groceries, believe in, in love, love again. again. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is more dangerous than I thought. Yeah, we're gonna stop Let's that. Go we're gonna yeah. Up. I'm gonna hand these out. Bill, wait, Bill, hang out one second. So, um, you dropped your credit card while you were running up God on stage, and a gentleman out there named Faraz found it and gave it to me over at the sound booth. So, thank you, Faraz. Here Faraz you go, Bill. That is the second time that has happened tonight. Come on up, man. Uh, um, so, before I start, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, the told the story before, like, yeah, Kevin asked when we were in a band, Kevin asked us to come play music, and I was like, Fuck yeah, I'll help Kevin Reader out with fucking anything. And uh, I'm so glad. We've been doing it for five years, and I'm, I'm so happy that everybody's here. Thank you so much. Give yourselves a big round yeah. of applause. And give it up for everybody who told the story tonight. And the band. I'm just going to say one thing really quick, because we got to get our asses out of here, and we do have one more song. But I want to say, like, <laughs> I'm going to be real for a second. Like, a lot of my esteem is tied up in this show. And earlier this week, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, no one's going to come, and I'm going to feel horrible. And... <laughs> 
And that, that didn't happen. There's so much love in this room tonight. I'm so, like, just overjoyed that all of you who came out and who shared and who gave your time Thank you and your so energy. Much. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, there's definitely changes coming up. This is going to be Jim's last show for a while, unfortunately. Um, Katie Johnson-Smith, who you saw earlier, is going to be joining us as a yeah, singer Katie. full-time. Um, recently, I just quit my job to do audio editing full-time, and I don't have... Well, I didn't qu- I'm in the process of quitting my job, but I don't have a new job lined up, and that's kind of a scary and dumb thing to do. And like to be totally real, I haven't told a lot of people this, but I don't, I'm not 100% that I'm going to be in Chicago that much longer. But um, I will never forget this night and all of you. I love you all. We're going to need a lot of help with this one, so please sing along. Is Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see, I'm just a poor boy, I need no sympathy, cause I'm easy come, easy go, little high, little low. Fandango, thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. 
just a poor boy, nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, spare him his life from this monstrosity. Easy come, easy go, will you let me go? Bismillah, no, we will not let you go. Let it go. Bismillah, we will not let you go. Let it go. Bismillah, we will not let you go. Will not let you go. Will not never, never let me go. Oh no, 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 Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, let me go. Beelzebub has the devil put aside for me. You can stone me and spit in my eyes So you think you can love me and leave me to die Oh, baby Can't do this to me, baby Just gotta get out Just gotta get right out of here Thank you all. Here's to another five years, everybody. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you may also enjoy Dynasty. Dynasty Podcast launched in 2005 as the first ever and longest-running music podcast in the city of Chicago's history. Hosted by Chicago journalist and college educator Jaime Black. For more information... Go to www.dynastypodcast.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.